Hey everyone, Frosty here. I finally started getting these shows uploaded to various podcast services again. Some of these episodes are a bit older than the day they became available on the service you are currently listening to it on, so please keep that in mind. One other quick note, these shows are now also sponsored by a wonderful company that provides two Japanese snack box options, Sakoriko and Tokyo Treat. They're both great options, but act a little bit differently. Tokyo Treat is solely focused on snacks that are the latest, most exclusive, and that are the limited edition or seasonal flavors of snacks you might enjoy now. So things like Sakura Pepsi and Japanese Sake Kit Kats. Also comes with ramen, drinks, and much, much more. Sakura is solely focused on supporting the local Japanese snack makers, which include traditional, authentic, and artisan snacks. They'll also come with Japanese teas and special items like tableware. If you have any interest in either service, please use the affiliate links in the description. Each sign-up supports what I do here with MogTalk, and it would be greatly appreciated. Just in case, the URLs are team.tokyotreat.com slash MogTalk or team.sakura.co slash MogTalk. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the show. everybody welcome to this unnamed mog talk session that we have going on right now uh this is one of the first that we're doing where we're kind of bringing on uh people of interest to discuss what they do in the world of video games especially with the ones that revolve around final fantasy uh and uh, we brought on a really awesome guest i think at least i i saw a lot of your work Thank recently you. and uh i'm pretty impressed with it mj gallagher could you tell everybody uh, a little bit about yourself and who you are Sure. Um, thank, first of all, thank you so much for, for having me. Um, I'm MJ Gallagher. I'm a, a, an author from Scotland. Um, apologies if you, you it's not a, a monster that's in the background there. That's actually just uh, my dishwasher's having a moment, I think. That's okay. Uh, so, so not the best start. Uh, I'm, I'm MJ Gallagher. I, I focus specifically on mythology and Final Fantasy games. Uh, the last two books that I've released have been to do with Norse mythology in Final Fantasy VII and Greek mythology in Final Fantasy VII. Uh, but I'm branching out a little bit now. Uh, I've most recently played Final Fantasy XVI, and um, if you have any interest in mythology or lore globe, you know, from around the world at all, you would have realised that, um, much like Final Fantasy XIV, um, um, Business Unit Three just crammed as, as many things as they could into sixteen. So I was I was <laughs> just in absolute heaven with that game. Yeah. Uh, so I've I've decided to take uh, the the approach that I've been uh, using with my mythology books over the last few years and apply that to Final Fantasy sixteen as well. So uh, I'm aiming for a, a release next year. You know, hopefully wow. coincide with some of the DLC um, that will be coming out. Um, and yeah, that's that's who I am, effectively. Um, just uh, just someone who loves Final Fantasy, loves mythology, writes books about it, and, you know, f- crosses my fingers that other people have an interest in it. <laughs> I think a lot of people do have interest in it. Uh, I mean, you know, bring it to, like, 14 at some regard. A lot of people will talk about that when going through and analyzing the story and the language that's being used and the terminology that's being used throughout the game and everything else. But that's not unique to the 14th iteration of the game right <laughs> they've been doing it for a, a while 
and they, uh, they have. Um, but yeah. one one of the things that, that fourteen is pretty good at actually is is looking at um, global mythology and, and being fairly um, accurate in terms of a, applying it to real world lore rather than the sort of in in universe lore. Mm-hmm. From the Final Fantasy series because it is a bit of a mixed bag. Um, the the original Final Fantasy um, games, you know, sort of the 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 Famicom and the the Super Nintendo and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that was derived from Dungeons and Dragons rather mm-hmm. than sort of real world mythology. So, it, um, I think Final Fantasy fourteen is pretty true to real world stuff. But obviously, because so much of fourteen is based on previous games you know there's, yeah. there's a good sort of mix in there um which is i i i love the mythology of, of final fantasy 14 for that reason that you know every every time i learn a new piece of the story there's, mm-hmm. there's a box ticked somewhere about uh yeah. the mythology side of things so yeah it's, it's it's such a such a cool series yeah and it's really cool that you're getting into 16 as well because the, a lot of people who were behind 14 <laughs> worked on 16 right Exactly. Yeah. You see a lot of the stuff that they, their style and the way that they like to develop games and create localization for different types of things they will put in the game. Yeah. Uh, you could see that similar from things they did in fourteen over at sixteen. Uh, I think a lot of people notice that as well. And so. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, uh, writing is not an easy thing to do. Uh, but that's just you know my standpoint, my perspective. <laughs> so. But you actually uh, wrote some fairly, to me, they seem pretty large, like large books. Would you consider them very large books? I, I would. Um, they, they weren't supposed to be very large books. Um, but the, the, the most recent one, actually, I, I, have, a, I have a copy here of the, the Greek yeah. mythology one. But as, as you can see, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty chunky. Yeah. Um, so originally, when I, I wrote the Norse mythology book, um, Norse mythology, um, as, as much as it uh, is, is used fairly heavily in the Final Fantasy VII universe, it all or a lot of the the sort of myths about the gods actually all stem from only a handful of sources. You know, it's not you know there's there's not tons and tons of literature over thousands of years the way that you know classical lore uh, has. Mm-hmm. So. Um, when when I wrote the Norse mythology book, because there was not so many sources to have to deal with, you know, I, I felt it was a, a pretty decent size, a pretty digestible size. Uh, and then when I started the Greek mythology one, um, I sort of ended up down so many more rabbit holes than I expected. Mm. And because there's such a wealth of literature out there, you know, mm. spanning literally the best part of a thousand years, um, you know, you, you end up in a situation where you're drawing from different sources and you get more and more and more content. So the, the, the deeper I delved into that side of things, the more I realised that there was far more content sort of just lingering beneath the surface than, than I'd, I'd realised going mm-hmm. in, which is why the book is about twice the, the size of the first one. <laughs> I, I looked at it and I was like, wow, I don't know how you fit this many pages in Like... How do you, is there really just that much to talk about when it comes into like how Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy 7 in particular in the case for that book, uh, integrated, you know, Greek mythology within the game? Yeah. Go ahead. So basically when, 
when originally I I was planning the book, I, I launched a Kickstarter for it, and the aim was to to get roughly about two hundred and fifty pages worth of content, mm-hmm. because having you know studied a little bit of Greek mythology and having you know I'm I'm very familiar with Final Fantasy VII and the compilation and have been for a number of years. So on on the surface level, there was I I felt that there was maybe about the same amount of content as the Norse mythology one. Um, but the mistake that I made again with you know with with first of all the volume of literature, but also when I I delved really deeply, particularly into the you know um, Greek Greek mythology covers a, a vast array of things. You know it, it deals with sorry the ancient lore of the gods, but also a lot of the heroes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the heroes side of things was not something I was massively familiar with, but. When I started sort of researching that, you know, my eyes were open to, to so many things I, I simply had not expected, um, which in hindsight was a bit silly because um, the the lead scenario writer for, for the compilation of Final Fantasy VII uh, is, is a guy called Kazushige Nojima. Now, before Nojima joined Square, his main role was to actually write and direct a video game series known as The Glory of Heracles. <laughs> um, which was, you know, as, as you might expect, it was it was all about Greek mythology. So that that's what he did as a living for, you know, most of the early nineties. Um, so he's actually injected a huge amount of Greek mythology into the compilation, which is not obvious. But when you start to sort of peel it back a little bit, you know, you think actually, okay, right, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so the the point of the point of the book that I've written, you know, I, I think most people, when they think about how Greek mythology might apply to Final Fantasy VII, the obvious go-to thing is summons. You know, mm-hmm. you've got things like Titan, Phoenix, Hades, Typhon, um, and how those um, how those sort of apply, uh, or how how Greek mythology. Um, from the summon perspective, you know, you, you know, it actually applies. And, and believe it or not, there's a lot more going on than meets the eye with this stuff. Um, and then, you know, one of the one of the the the, the last games that, that Kazushige Nojima produced prior to joining Square was was Glory of Heracles Four, and I'll, the 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 context of glory of heracles 4 is, is the hero is originally from atlantis mm. and then atlantis is destroyed and his soul is taken away by the fates and he wakes up thousands of years later so atlantis itself doesn't quite fit into greek mythology it's more it's more about greek philosophy um from mm. from plato but i th- i think there's a um you know you can kind of justify it and, and how it ties in with all the other stories that, you know, it's, it's kind of close to mythology. But when you start comparing the ideas that Kazajiga Nojima had in that game and then look at things such as the Forgotten Capital and Final Fantasy VII and, you know, all the all the sort of underwater elements in the Forgotten Capital, like when, when you visit, you know, you know the... It looks as if it's the the city itself is like a, a, a dried dried up coral leaf a reef. Sorry, mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of sort of fish symbolism. You know, obviously you have to go under the water to get to the water altar, and 
and so on and so forth. So when you start to peel back the layers, you can actually see a huge amount of parallels between the original game that he wrote to do with Atlantis and then the Forgotten Capital and all the water iconography going on there. So it's, it's stuff like this that's not it's not necessarily obvious when you first think about it, but when you start to peel the layers back, you think, ah, okay, I actually see how you know it's it's been it's been right in front of our noses the whole time. So yeah. that that's the point of the book. I mean, and that's just to am- sort of point all this out, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing because I'm going to be honest with you. When I, okay, maybe it could be a part of an age thing too. When Final Fantasy VII was out, uh, that was like, was that middle school era for me? <laughs> it was like, yeah, so uh, yeah. in the US, it was September 97. You 97, so, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, I was about 10 years old when it came out. Uh, and uh, it, that was a long time ago still. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, but, um, well, that, that, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, for for I I was the same. I was I was eleven or twelve the first time mm-hmm. I played, and you know you're not un, unless you already you know have had an upbringing or had an interest in mythology. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily something that you know you're you're going to know to look for when you're playing at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, there's there's always been something at my end, you know. Again, going back to the summons, Odin in particular, because I'd learned a little bit about the Norse mythology when I was at, you know, junior school, mm-hmm. um, I knew who Odin was, but then, you know, I, th- there was just always something lingering in the back of my mind of this is important. There's there's something mm-hmm. something important about Odin and his role in the story, but I don't I don't know what it is. And it was only many 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 years later when researching my books that you know. It kind of all came together and you know mm-hmm. it basically just the theme of death and odin being you know the the, the supreme god of the the norse pantheon but specifically uh, a god of death and how that ties into nibelheim and, and so on and so forth so it's yeah um when, once you actually look into it it's fascinating how they've managed to cram so many references in without anybody noticing yeah yeah and just a quick side tangent i'll come right back to that i forgot to warn you I have been experiencing some internet issues where it disconnects me like every hour or so. It may not happen. It may happen. But if it does happen in the next couple of minutes, I'll be right back. <laughs> Just no problem. Voltage, sorry. Um, but yeah, speaking on that note, uh, I think that's maybe like a huge point. Like when I was growing up and playing video games and everything, I didn't think this was from greek mythology i didn't think this was from norse mythology i thought this was final fantasy 7 right this is what it is it's unique it's its own thing here uh and so a lot of this stuff wasn't introduced to me until i started playing these video games mm-hmm. uh and uh it's interesting to just remember that a lot of this stuff was inspiration from old textbook stuff that you wouldn't really uh think about unless if you tried to dive into it a lot of us might just associate these concepts to the game because that's when we yeah. first heard of it right um i mean a lot of stuff within final fantasy 14 too kind of hides away uh a bit uh and there i don't know if my voice is starting to mess up a little bit but there's the little <laughs> uh, you're you're okay at my end but I, I don't know about the stream yeah the stream it's it's recording locally too <laughs> so okay. luckily that should be fine too but I'll, I'll give it a second to catch back up there we go all right it's back okay. sorry <laughs> sometimes it's worse than that um 
But yeah, so a lot of this stuff, uh, I don't think about it. When I'm playing Final Fantasy XIV, I'm going through it. The only time I think about it is when I can't pronounce a name. <laughs> and I'm like, I have absolutely no clue what this spell is supposed to be pronounced as. Yeah. And they did that. They they did that with one of the jobs came in that came in with Endwalker. Uh, uh, Sage was has just tons and tons of just references with their names. I can't pronounce any of it. Uh, but it goes back to uh, again mythology. And so, did you do you feel like when you talk to people about this stuff, are they usually pretty surprised to hear how much of this stuff is actually based off of mythology, and they just never thought about it before? I, I think so. Um, I think when I start to get into the the real deep ideas, um, the, these are things that are pretty surprising to a lot of people. I I think because Final Fantasy, um, the the series ever ever since Final Fantasy three has typically had a number of summon creatures that are connected to to mythology. So mm -hmm. I think I think on a surface level most players of the series will be familiar with the idea that there is mythology present you know even even if they don't they're, they're not familiar with you know shiva for example is not actually an ice goddess shiva is a, a hindu a hindu god you know mm -hmm. um or that bahamut is not actually a dragon bahamut is a cosmic fish in you know <laughs> early islam um but you know, there are there are some that are, are fairly accurate. You know, Phoenix is is a sort of universal symbol. Um, you know, I think most most people at a surface level, you know, from again from from Final Fantasy VII, recognize that Hades is a god of the underworld. So it would make sense, you know, aesthetically yeah. that he looks like the the Grim Reaper as mm -hmm. he does in Final Fantasy VII. That's not actually accurate to the mythology, but at least the connection to death is there. Right. Um, so I think um, I think for most people they recognize that mythology is present in the game, but they unless you have an interest in it, there's not there's not really a reason to go digging. But mm -hmm. part part of the part of the reason that I've I've written these books is that um, there are a handful of people out there who, who have done the same thing that who have sort of identified mythological roots of particular things across the the franchise um but i don't think anyone has written the written about it to the same depth as i have but i'm conscious that a lot of people and myself i include myself in this that they they want to learn they want to you know have if they've got a, a sort of base interest in norse mythology if they have a base interest in greek mythology or you know, and other other types of mythologies, or even other other religions, mm -hmm. that they might not have the time or the motivation, I guess, to to go away and, and learn about it academically. Mm -hmm. But the, the book, the book them, the book itself is it's it's aimed at well. Here, here's a way of being able to learn about it through the medium of this game that you love. Mm -hmm. So it kind of puts things into perspective. It puts it into context in ways that you're already, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit of nostalgia. It's a little bit of learning in your comfort zone mm -hmm. type idea. So, um, you know, the that's that's kind of what I was going for with the book. That it's it's not just that look at all these cool ideas that I've had and what to speculate on. 
it's a, a lot of it is well actually here's here's an opportunity for you to to learn the things that you wanted to learn but haven't had a, a real specific uh mm-hmm. vessel to do it with mm-hmm. or vehicle to do it with not vessel sorry no, um but that's um yeah that's that's kind of where i'm coming coming from that i think I knew that there was some interest before I wrote the books, but I didn't realise just how much I've been blown away by um, the response that I've had um, to the, to the writing, and you know, particularly within the Norse mythology one, that it, it gave me the confidence that actually, you know, what there are quite a number of people out there who who do want to know more about this stuff mm-hmm. for for what, um, and you know, mythology is it's all over the place in the final fantasy series so why why not just just you know produce something with with that in mind yeah and i think that uh when you're talking about people who play final fantasy whether it's 14 7 16 whichever right they they fall in love with it it becomes like a, a core part of kind of uh I don't want to, maybe even their life. I would say in my life, when I play Final Fantasy stuff, it was a core part of my life, right? And so I could relate to it. And so learning more about it and being able to make these uh, relations, whether, no matter what it is, it can be interesting. And it could get you interested in, uh, you know, Greek mythology just overall too. Um, I, I am curious for you, what got you into learning Greek mythology? Was it just this, this, it was it this project or way before you you're like digging into it um i've i've actually had a surface level interest in mythology for for many years um i like like i said actually i learned a little bit about norse mythology when when i was a kid um and i always i always knew the basics of greek mythology and it was sort of on my to-do list about you know going going and, and learning about it um kind of the the school that i went to didn't actually offer uh classical studies which many schools in the area did uh when i was growing up so i sort of missed out uh from an educational perspective or on on uh, greek or, or latin mm-hmm. uh tales but i that there has there's always been this interest there and i i don't think i'll ever know fully whether or not I love Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy in general because I have an interest in mythology or if I have an interest in mythology <laughs> because I love Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very much a chicken and egg situation there. But mm-hmm. I think um, a, a few years ago, um, I, I was working on a totally unrelated project um, that did actually delve into mythology quite a bit and this is this is where I started really from a sort of academic perspective looking at um looking at the stories looking at the sort of culture behind the stories mm-hmm. um and learning learning a lot about that and the more I delved into it for this other project the more I realized like holy shit like this this isn't final fantasy like I I know these things I know I know what Midgar is I know what you know mm-hmm. where Nibelheim comes from I know what, what you know the the Midgar Zolum in Final Fantasy VII is is, is basically just a mistranslation of Midgard Storm, um, mm-hmm. which is the world serpent in Norse mm-hmm. mythology. And then, you know, when you start to sort of peel back those layers, it's like, right, there's there's actually there's so much here, and, and it, it kind of inspired 
you know, inspired me to go away and research it from the Final Fantasy perspective, um, which is when I, I started looking online and seeing, you know, how, what can I find online? Who who's written about this? You know, who can I learn from? And you know, there, there were a handful of people. Um, Dionysus from the Final Fantasy forums is is one. Um, he's he's a good friend of mine, and you know, his his work is just absolutely spectacular. Um, but he has he actually has a, a high level academic background in this stuff. Oh. Um. But his you know it's just more cla- more classical studies. So because I was looking a bit more at the the Norse side of things originally. Um, I tried to find what I could and you know that you'll always find some YouTube videos of people looking at summons and what the origins of the summons are but no one who has delved into things the way that I have mm-hmm. um, and because it didn't exist for me it was you know you know what I actually think I'll just start writing a blog about this and see if anyone's interested and then eventually got so much content that I thought why not just reformat this as a book Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is how that idea came about, and we, you know, off the back of the success of the Norse myths one, mm-hmm. you know, moved on to Greek myths, and it's it's just got uh, you know it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride from there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean your tr- Twitter handle is called Final Fantasy Seven Novels too, but now you're already expanding past that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know what it's, it, the Final Fantasy Seven Novels thing um, was? I my Weirdly enough, my academic background is math and economics. Um, oh. It's not—it's not writing. It's not literature. It's um, you know that's that's something that I just did um, for for a bit of fun, I guess. Mm. So I started started out in fan fiction uh, and and sort of wrote a, a novelized version of Final Fantasy VII, but injected a lot of the compilation mm. material in, into the retelling. Um, you know, and again, that that was just for a bit of fun. I stuck it up online, and people seemed to enjoy it. And one thing led to another, and you know, I ended up sort of producing a book for Kupocon, uh, which is a, a series of Final Fantasy events. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working closely with Kupocon for for quite a few years now. Um, and you know, just I I think the 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 more that I the more that I went, the more confidence I got, but. Because it all started with fan fiction, that that's where the FFVII novels came from. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, so you're right. I've I've expanded quite considerably since then. <laughs> um, but it's you know it's it's kind of it's weird to to look back and think, wow, that that was just a hobby that got really out of hand. Um, the best kind of hobbies. You know? Exactly. So it's it's taken me on a journey that I didn't expect to go on, and and here we are speaking with people like yourself. That oh, I'm not you know, important. Just just, just a, <laughs> well, well, you're important to a lot of people, uh, and and I'm I'm extremely grateful that uh, just to be to discussing this with you. Oh, um, so yeah, it's it's just a passion that that I've I've gone for, and I'm so grateful that other people are interested. Yeah, I mean a lot of people are, and I mean like when I have conversations uh, about the games. It will often, I'll find out that, uh, you know, someone that I'm talking to has dug real deep into it and they've just studied Greek and it's, you know, they took it up as a minor or something and they're just so passionate about the game because they can Mm -hmm. kind of relate uh, a lot of things to it. And so, and a lot of times when I'm talking to people who uh, focus on the lore for uh, like Final Fantasy 14, 
they always, of course, dive back into mythology and everything else because they're trying to help predict what's going to happen within the yeah. story too, right? And so they can say, well, these factors are here. I know that this is this god is related to ice or this this creature is related to the so-and-so and part of the mythology is it summoned this way or something like that. So maybe that would be introduced into the game within that same way. And so they can help pick these parts together or put all these pieces together uh, to try to... Uh, give a very interesting conversation on where the story is headed, where everything's going, because Final Fantasy XIV has, you know, that that ability to where it just keeps adding on the story. It's a never-ending story, right? Because it's an MMO and it has to just keep going. Uh, and so there's where a lot of our lore conversations uh, go into is discussing what has happened and why it may happen with this external knowledge of just old ancient stories because for some reason Square Enix likes to you know pull from it uh and I mean they're not unique in that way I'm, there's a lot of game developers that do that of course right uh but they have definitely you gotta it really does make me wonder the developers for Final Fantasy 14 how much they actually really know about mythology from like the Greek side and North side the uh yeah. even the the Indian gods and everything else too right and you're just like how how much work have they put into this? Or do they just Google it? And they're just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's, what's, yeah, what well, cool gods I haven't seen before and they try to find it? Or do they have like, you know, well-versed history in it? Do you know anything about that? I, I do actually. Um, so I, as I sort of mentioned before, um, yeah. when, when Hironobu Sakaguchi uh, first produced Final Fantasy, uh, he was already a huge fan of games that existed around that time ogre battle ultima mm -hmm. um but he, he was a mega fan of dungeons and dragons mm -hmm. so what you find is that he he injected a huge amount of mythology into final fantasy but it was almost specifically the dungeons and dragons version of mm -hmm. mythology um and you, you can tell this straight away like yoshitaka sorry yoshitaka mano um mm -hmm. Like his artwork for the Chimera, for example, uh, in Final Fantasy, uh, has the head of a lion, uh, the head of a goat, and the head of a fire-breathing dragon, which is not quite what the mythology is. Um, the, <laughs> the mythology is the head of a lion, the fire-breathing head of a goat, and the, the tail of a snake. Mm -hmm. But Amano's version is actually specifically what what appears in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, same mm -hmm. same thing with Bahamut. You know, Bahamut is iconic as a dragon from Dungeons and Dragons, but that's not what the actual mythology is. Yeah. Um so there's 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 stuff in there and I think as time went on, you know, they 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 started implementing quite cool ideas um, but a lot of it was still sourced through this middleman either Dungeons and Dragons or, or elsewhere and it wasn't really until Final Fantasy 7 came along that that changed and a lot of people ask me you know why why 7 why why focus on 7 and the first reason is because that's that's my favorite game it's what I'm passionate about but the second reason is actually is it's all to do with Kazushige Najima because what Kazushige Najima did was he actually implemented real real world lore he didn't focus on the Dungeons and Dragons side of things he actually applied um you know his knowledge of Greek mythology which was very extensive and he's he's on record as you know saying that if he if he didn't focus on Greek he would really like to tackle Norse mythology 
Mm. Um, so, we, you know, from the the names of the locations in Final Fantasy VII themselves, you know, Mid Midgard is based on Midgard, which is the world of men, and Nibelheim is based on Niflheim, which is the primordial sort of world of ice or, um, or mist. And there's no real getting away from a lot of how deeply steeped in real world lore that this is. But uh, Kazushige Nojima also wrote Final Fantasy VIII. He also wrote Final Fantasy X. He did the, the Fabulan over Crystallis lore for 13, 15 and Type-0. Um, you know, so there's, there's already, within the last 25 years, so much of real world mythology is now steeped into the Final Fantasy series in a way that it wasn't before. And when it comes to Final Fantasy XIV, um, I, I don't, I don't specifically know how much the writers, because obvi obviously they've had a number of writers across the mm -hmm. expansions, um, but the the writer of Heavensward, and and then who's, who's most recently gone on to Final Fantasy XVI, and forgive me, their name escapes me. Oh. Um, Gosh. The <laughs> writers the, for the, Final Fantasy fourteen Heavens for <laughs> Sorry, the when you ask me a name, I immediately blank. Uh, writers, uh, I I I can't even I pronounce it. Um, Is it Mahiro? Mahiro Nasuka. Mahiro. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, um, um, Ishikawa is another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So the the idea is Heavensward is actually also heavily steeped in uh, Norse mythology. Um, you know, you've got Nidhogg, Ratatorskar, um, Hreisvelgar, Vidofnir. Yeah. Like all, all these are all these are all creatures from uh, Norse mythology, and the way that they interact with one another is absolutely fascinating. You know, the just as an example, um, one of the one of the cosmological tales about the the world tree in, in Norse mythology is that Nidhogg is the serpent at the bottom of the tree, and there's an unnamed eagle at the top of it. Um, but there's also in other stories, there's uh, an eagle who generates the wind at the top of the world tree called Hreisvelgar. Mm. So the we, we we seem to have this sort of amalgamation between Hreisvelgar and this unnamed eagle who's the enemy of Nidhogg. But over the course of every single day, like the there's a squirrel that runs between the two, just taunting them and passing <laughs> message. Who's called Ratatoskar. So so the, the relationship between Hreisvelgar, Nidhogg and Ratatosk in Heaven's Word it actually is it's very specific. To wow. Norse mythology, um, but again, if you don't know the lore, that's not obvious. Um, yeah, I didn't know it all. But, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> so that's that's, I guess that's something you could Google. But the the actual relationships between them all, once you start delving into it, is, uh, and obviously they're all children of Midgardson, uh, who's mm -hmm. you know, the, the world serpent from from Norse mythology, who's yeah. who's the serpent. Um, the so the I think I think it's safe to say that there was a fairly decent idea 
mm-hmm. a fairly, fairly decent uh, wealth of knowledge um, in terms of the actual mythology. And the, the same the same you would ha- kind of have to expect to, to carry over into the other games, particularly because they're actually delving back into some of you know earlier games uh, within the Final Fantasy series and then lifting content from there. So, you know, you end up with, with this sort of... Um, effect where it's mythology upon mythology type thing, um, which which I really love. Um, and even more recently in, in Endwalker, you know the the, the storyline with Hermes. There's there's all sorts of actual mythology going going on in there, which is really interesting. Um, it kind of jumps out a little bit that again is, is not obvious to the casual player, but for us lore enthusiasts, mm-hmm. you know it's. it's you know, it's chef's kiss stuff. So, yeah. um, I I would argue I would argue that there's a fairly decent understanding of the actual mythology going on because it happens, or the the, the connections that appear happen far too uh, far too regularly for it just to be a coincidence. Right. Yeah. It, it seems to be all over the place, and like you were describing there, thoughtfully in place in the game. Right. And so. <laughs> Uh, with intention, understanding of like the relations between these different characters and everything else, and they just make it a Final Fantasy version of it uh, and insert it into the world, and they, they seem to be doing such a great job of it, because when I was playing it, you know, I wasn't thinking of anything outside of this is Final Fantasy. Uh, I wasn't actually pulling those relations, and I guess like that's different perspectives uh, you know, when you're going into the game without that understanding of like the basis and the core behind it. Uh, you have sort of a different experience like you have an appreciation if you do understand it and you just have a newfound enjoyment if you don't understand it right i guess like so it's it still works out just in two different ways yeah i agree and that was actually i think one one of the things that not not broke my heart a little bit but um obviously when final fantasy 16 came out and you know there's the fandom had a bit of a mixed reception to it. A lot of people, mm-hmm. like myself, absolutely loved it, and some people were not a fan uh, of the game for the gameplay or or the yeah. side quests or, or or whatever. You know, in all all perfectly legitimate reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of one of the things that I I wish that I could have done a lot faster was was you know just express how. There are so many things in Final Fantasy 16 that, if you know the background mythology, actually adds so 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 much to it. It, it just it gives you a deeper understanding, and um, you know, just just one example with, I think, um, you know, the the end and kind of I'll, I'll be careful here in, in spoiler territory. Yeah. Um, but the but the end the ending of the game, I think a lot of people felt was a bit flat or a bit. You know, not not particularly well explained. Mm. That you know, some people felt that they had to go back into like the the tomes lore to to find out what what Ultima was talking about or why you know why the the names Mythos and Logos are being thrown about and um and even even then even when you do go into the tomes it's still not obvious. Um, but one one of the things that I found is because I've I've got an interest in uh, Gnosticism, which is, um, if you're not familiar with Gnosticism, basically it was a, a sect of early Christianity which was effectively outlawed. And one of the reasons it was outlawed is that it, it 
its philosophies were were very different to to uh, a lot of Christian sects and uh, quite heavily based on Plato's philosophies as well. Um, but Gnosticism had this whole mythology that you don't find anywhere else in you know uh, Judaism or, or Christianity. But it's really interesting and. When when you actually start applying the mythology of Gnosticism to what's going on at the end of Final Fantasy 16, the whole thing makes so much more sense. Hmm. But you kind of have to know, you kind of have to have that background to fully appreciate it. And I, I don't think that's, as much as I loved Final Fantasy 16, that's not the best way to tell a story. I don't think you should you should be able to fully understand the story, you should be able to fully appreciate it even if you don't have that background knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so one one of the reasons that I wanted to, to sort of write write a mythology book about uh, Final Fantasy 16 as well is, is to be able to hopefully share what I know uh, and sort of point out the, the connections that might kind of enhance the experience retrospectively for mm-hmm. a lot of players. Um, so yeah, that's we'll see. We'll see how that that lands i guess um <laughs> at some point in the future well to be honest with you i mean everything i've i've learned about that religion was through you in this talk right now so uh <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, i'm sure a lot of people will kind of feel like greek and uh norse you can kind of there, there's a lot of just presence there in our world and everything else but when you start to get this little more niche stuff it's i, I don't yeah. know maybe that's if that's the right word or not <laughs> oh no, I I would I would definitely put Gnosticism in, in the sort of niche category. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh I, I think that it does take a, a, a risk of like if you can't explain it fully and like kinda make it more simplified for just a regular everyday person like me, <laughs> it might not make uh uh a lot of sense and could lead to some level of disappointment although you could see where the the artist who is making that was trying to go if you understood it but yeah i mean that's part of the presentation of your art right and how that's uh but exactly and and maybe you know maybe i'm doing 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 the writers and doing the the producers at the service by you know it could be that time constraints meant they had to cut some content that just would have explained it a lot more fully um, but you, even we, even at that, it's still yeah. it's still a lesser product to an extent, you know. Yeah, you, you can only excuse so much stuff, right? And so there are time constraints, there are you know crunches, and you want people to be able to breathe and everything else, but you also need proper timetables and like things like that's a whole business sense that they 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 handled and they put out a product, uh, and so that product is going to be absorbed, and it is art in a way too. But they're looking to make money off of that as well, and all, you know, you can go. There's a huge conversation behind all of that. <laughs> but yeah, I, you can, uh, you could say they probably would want to. I'm sure if they had infinite time, they would want to add all the different functions in there. They'd probably want to add in all these. They probably want to add in a system that people have been begging for of, t- you know, the turn-based combat. <laughs> you know, if we could toggle it on and off or something, yeah. but that's a lot of work. Takes a lot of time and Absolutely, not as easy. Yeah um but yeah no i think that uh with talking about that too with final fantasy 16 you're still very active in understanding the stories and you may not be like super active in 14 but you understand the story actually fairly well uh do you just make kind of a point to kind of go through and understand the stories of these games that are coming out and everything else yeah basically my 
you know, just just to to cut to the chase, uh, I know for a fact that I would absolutely love Final Fantasy fourteen. And the reason I don't play it is because I know I would love Final Fantasy fourteen, and I don't <laughs> have the time for that. Um, and the way that the way that my mind works is just that if I, you know, particularly in the the, the realm of mythology, that if I saw something, I'd you know, I I I'd want to to ex- express how how much joy that gave me. If that's a tweet, if that's an uh, an article writing about the mythology in the game, and, and so on and so forth. Um, I think right now, Final Fantasy fourteen is so extensive that it's it's almost overwhelming uh, from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the pandemic, um, I. As much as I didn't have time to play the game, I, I really went out of my way to sort of learn a lot more about the, the story, you know, and going back to, you know, sort of some high profile uh, players of the game, you know, uh, content creators such as Mr. Happy, uh, yeah. Ethis Asher, who's really, you know, lore heavy in his, his content. Mm-hmm. Um, and making a point of just learning about the, the the MSQ, learning about the side quest, learning about the the, the underlying lore that, that goes into all this sort of stuff, and it, you know, I just loved it. It was exactly what I wanted from a story, mm. um, and being able to to sort of pick it up and learn about the story without, you know, having to invest the time to play the game was was perfect for me. So, um, one of the one of the things that I, I just yeah went out of my way to do when when I had a little bit of time was was just to to listen to these content creators you know talking about how the story had progressed and it meant then because I'm I'm quite active on social media in terms of the Final Fantasy community in general but specifically the Final Fantasy VII community mm-hmm. um I just I I wanted to be able to interact with others in a way that was meaningful. Mm-hmm. from the 14 community particularly through again like i mentioned i've, I've been um i've been working with coupon for for many years and attending yeah. uh, a number of the events and so much of the events are you know tailored for 14 fans so it was, yeah. it was just i i guess just to to be as excited as the other 14 fans about mm-hmm. you know guests that were coming or you know events that were taking place or storylines that we could discuss and, and so on and so forth um and again the more the more that I invested in Final Fantasy 14 and the more I realized how much there was from the mythology side of things you know I just I, I knew it was it was something that I I wanted to to continue to be uh, mm-hmm. keeping up with so yeah that's that's where that's where I come in from that that's all right. well if you ever run out of content otherwise Final Fantasy 14 could probably uh, keep you uh, uh, filled for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, so, so I've been told. I think I, I made um, I made a deal with my editor because she's she's a, a really big Final Fantasy 14 player, mm-hmm. uh, and you know she particularly you know when we were sharing ideas about the the Final Fantasy 16 side of things. She's insisting and insisting, insisting that I I play fourteen or write about fourteen, and the deal that I've made with her is that if I ever find myself in a position where I can do this full time, then yeah, I will I will tackle fourteen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you you had to hear first. Okay, uh, okay. So we just need to sell enough books, right? Just need to sell enough books. That's it. <laughs> All right, that's fair. 
Uh, but yeah, no, you, and by the way, could you show off that book again? Because that is an amazing yeah. book. Uh, I, I was looking at the cover and it's beautiful. It's something that, like, if you are a fan of Final Fantasy, bring it bring it over your face a little bit if you don't mind. Yeah, right there. <laughs> Sorry, I had it cropped just a bit. Uh, it is a beautiful cover to that book. And I, I did get a chance to glimpse inside of it. It has some beautiful artwork in it as well. Um, let me uh, so just throw this in chat right here. Uh, that is the Amazon link to that book. I believe that will take you straight there. Uh, and you can you can get a hardcover of it. Yeah, That's so what? it's, it's avail available in uh, paperback and, and hardcover. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, di di and digital as well. Um, the I think most of the links that I share, just, just because, you know, the the lion's share of my audience is from the States. Um, mm -hmm. So most of the links that I share are the US ones, but you, you can actually find the book available on Amazon all around the world. Um, so rather than doing Amazon.com, it's, it's just whatever your, your region is, um, mm -hmm. you'll be able to get the book as well. Um, and the, the same with the, the Norse mythology one that's that's available on Amazon too. So uh, if you are interested in, in anything I've, I've been talking about, please do check it out. And thank you very much for uh, for the uh the plug that's yeah of course I, <laughs> I, you know you're, you're, you make an amazing product of course <laughs> i want people to know uh you're here because you're interested in that and you know writing that book and everything uh i mean literally just looking at the cover of that book pulled me in and i was like i i want to know what this is about you know it was it's perfect and so um yeah, kudos <laughs> to that. Thank you. Um, so, uh, just a shout out to to my artist for the book, Kale Lines. Uh, he's he's a wonderful, wonderful artist. The um, the the artwork and the interior as well it just it, it blows my mind. I, I like I like to work with different artists, and I, you know where where they're comfortable with it. I you know I like for them to be able to. I'll, I'll give them a sort of vague brief. And let them come up with the ideas, and just time after time after time, Kale blew me away with the images that he came back with and the illustrations that he came back with. So, uh, yeah, again, mega shout out to, to Kale Lyons for for just you know taking the product to a whole new level. I'm mm -hmm. very grateful. Yeah, uh, amazing job. Uh, just a couple of quick questions I had. Uh, yeah. Now. I, I know translations are a very difficult thing to do for books. Do you have any plans for any kind of translations, like Spanish translations or anything like that? Um, not not at the moment. I and the reason the reason for it is that um, it would be such such a huge volume of work that um, uh, for I, I think with the the Greek the Greek myth side of things it's a little bit different with the Norse mythology side of things I, I did actually research it and and how much of an audience there might be um, from different languages mm -hmm. um, and oddly yeah, I, I might have expected that uh, German speaking um, people would would be more in, interested but mm -hmm. there wasn't wasn't a huge huge interest there. Um, uh, you know, same with the, the Spanish-speaking world, the Portuguese-speaking world. Um, outside of Europe, um, the, the interest um, wasn't so so large. Um, one weird, weirdly enough, actually, um, it was French Canadians uh, who were the biggest uh, oh, market yeah? in, of, of non non English speakers. Yeah, um, which again kind of makes sense given 
given a lot of the, the, the sort of Germanic connections that uh, Canada does have. Um, mm. But the, I, I think that this is, for me to be writing about mythology and, you know, not, not just Final Fantasy, but to be writing about mythology in Final Fantasy VII is so niche that, mm. you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a, a large market for it. Um, outside of the English-speaking world, or at least not a large enough market to to justify um, in, investing in, in different languages. But um, if someone is has a different opinion, you know, I'm more than happy <laughs> to discuss that. Uh, if, if someone wants to to offer their services to translate it, you know, yeah. that's I'm happy to have a discussion. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's the bottom line is it's just it's such a volume of work that yeah. You know, it might it, it might not be worth uh, worth the, the the time. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, and you know, uh, going back to kind of I guess you writing this and everything else, and going into uh, your history with Final Fantasy, you know, fourteen, where you kind of just explored the story a little bit, seven, and the the remake of seven. I'm assuming you played a good bit of it as well. I'm I'm guessing you're very yes. excited for this part too. Sure, I'm like, yeah. I think January, is that right? End, end of February, February 29th. Oh, yeah. February. Okay, okay, okay. Um, are you going to be spending some time to kind of research what they're doing with that game? Because that game is actually, it, it's not exactly Final Fantasy VII. They're kind of <laughs> doing their yeah. own little thing, right? Um, I, I, I'll certainly be taking the time to uh, to go through it with you know, a, a fine tooth comb and, and see what I can extract. And already, um, you know, believe it or not, from from the demos, uh, from the trailers that have been released so far, already I can see that there are, certainly from the Norse side of things, there's already content that wasn't in the originals. Oh, really? Um, just, just, yeah, just for example, um, and... In the, the State of Play trailer for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, uh, mm. it, there, there's a section where it, it shows off a few summon creatures. Um, so you, you get to see Alexander, and then you get to see Kajata, and then you get to see Odin. Um, and one of the, the amazing things about Odin is that this is the first time in any Final Fantasy VII game that his horse, Slipnare, mm -hmm. has eight legs. And that's... You know, 99% of the time in the mythology, Slipnir has eight legs, but in most of its iterations in the Final Fantasy series, only has six legs. Mm. Um, so the original game, Before Crisis, Crisis Core, they all had six legs, but for, for whatever reason, they've now changed it to eight. So I was really excited about that. Mm -hmm. um, if, you, <laughs> if you look really closely as well, um, the, the actual piece of the, the trailer where Odin is... You know, he sort of rears up in the horse and then charges towards the enemy. The actual enemy he's attacking is the Midgar Zolom, which, as I, I mentioned earlier on, is actually a mistranslation of Midgar Sorm, mm -hmm. um, who's the world serpent from Norse mythology and, you know, an, an enemy of Odin and the gods. Um, so there's, you know, there's an actual specific piece of Norse lore there. Um, but the one, the one that actually blew my mind was um, earlier on when I was talking about the names of locations within Final Fantasy VII, uh, Midgar and Nibelheim in particular. Um, in Norse cosmology, uh, there are nine worlds and the nine worlds are connected by the world tree, um, which 
anyone who's watched like the Thor films, yeah. the Marvel films, will, will be familiar with the name as Yggdrasil. Mm. Um, and uh, if you if you kind of see the the footage of the the demo playthrough from the, the sort of Mount Nebel uh, flashback with Cloud and Sephiroth, at one point, um, if you go into the the equipment, uh, Cloud is actually wearing the Yggdrasil armlet, um, <laughs> and it. The little bit of information underneath it, it talks about you know the the wood from the armlet is cut from the world tree, so they're not they're not messing about here. You know, it's um, <laughs> it's like fine know, very, fine detail. Ex- exactly. So, but I mean, this is I, I would go out on a limb and say you know that that's kind of probably coming from Najima, uh, mm. because Najima does actually have a personal interest in this side of things, um, but. It's kind of nice to feel vindicated, I guess, and and a lot of the stuff that I talk about, and and you know, I I released the Norse mythology book, you know, three years ago now. Uh so the things that I was talking about then, for it now to be showing up in Rebirth, uh, is is really, you know, really quite special for me personally. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that stuff like that will continue. Um, like one, as well as working on the Final Fantasy 16 book, I'm actually also working on a, a, a Trojan War in Final Fantasy 7 book. Um, that mostly deals with Crisis Core. Um, Crisis Core again is one of these, you know, you either love it or you hate it kind of games. Um, but one of the things that I th- again is not obvious is that so much of it is actually. Uh, so many of the, the sort of intricacies of Crisis Core um, are derived from the Trojan War and then from the Odyssey, the, the story of Odysseus making his way home from Troy. Mm. Um, so the, the second the second half of Crisis Core, like after Zack wakes up, you know, like the, the, <laughs> there are so many story beats that are just so similar to the Odyssey, it's unreal. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm aiming to release a, a you know the, the Trojan War book not too long after Rebirth comes out, but I want to wait and play the game just to see if there's anything else that can sort of um, bulk out a little bit. And you know, even even the mobile game Ever Crisis, which is out at the moment, there's there's even content in that that already I can see. Yep, that, that that's going straight into the the new book kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, so either um, I'm just completely completely wild and having ideas that are you know so far off off the scale that it's not worth anybody's attention or actually what's happening is they are injecting a lot more mythology than mm-hmm. people realize um and i i'd like to think that there's sufficient enough evidence to say it's, it's probably the latter um, yeah. so yeah. um it's... so to, to answer your question yeah i'm very excited about rebirth and i will <laughs> absolutely i will absolutely uh, be going through it uh, to, awesome. to try and catch all these things yeah, I mean, that, that's, it's crazy to think about, like, I'm going to be honest, like, I'm a very surface level kind of person when I come to video games and everything. I Whatever they throw at me in front of my face, it's exactly as they present to me, right? I never think about anything behind the scenes, I never think about anything else. And just to hear this stuff, it just, it feels, it gives you even more appreciation uh, than, you know, what I had originally for it. And the same thing happens within, uh, I can't, of course, I'm sorry for going back to Final Fantasy 14 all the time, but... <laughs> no, don't. No, please, please continue. I'm, uh, I'm all for discussing it. When I'm going through, like, the the quests, this new story that they already 
they, they put out. Uh, again, I'm looking at it at a very surface level, but there are so many people who are very invested in every single word, everything they're saying, and they can draw so much for it. And they have feel such a huge impact because they understand mm -hmm. and have this huge wealth of knowledge about what is actually going on at the moment. Um, yeah. And uh, so these kind of conversations, right, that I'm having with you when I've talked to people who are really lore invested in Final Fantasy XIV, uh, that have just spent so much time <laughs> grinding away at understanding all the links and everything else, it makes me more appreciative of the story. It makes me get sucked into it that much more. And I think these kind of conversations are important for the people who are not really understanding why some people are so invested in these stories and why like that is such a huge deal to them. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the same thing. Like you appreciate Final Fantasy 16 a lot past the gameplay, right? It's so mm -hmm. a lot of video games aren't just, does it feel good to play? It's what's happening with that story, how they made the story and just diving into it uh, from that regard. And I think Final Fantasy 16, you know, you know, there's some things they did that was a little bit off with that, but they they did a lot of work to try to give you an understanding uh, of what's happening by if you wanted to look into it, right? They had that big board, yeah. I think, that you could go into and see all the different points of, yeah. uh, you know, explaining this character and how they're evolving within your story and everything else. Um, and I think, I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like the people who are creating that story and everything else are doing everything they can to hold back, <laughs> maybe, and to just put it in a user-friendly way so people yeah. can access it to appreciate it more if they want to. But uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That whole I, I think was crazy. I, I think one of the, one of the things with with sixteen is, I I guess, I guess it depends on who or you know who you are as a gamer. You know, I I know for individuals who who really like you know single player combat games, like the the combat system in sixteen, I I personally thought was was excellent. You know, mm. but uh, for for more experienced gamers and, and that side of things, you know, they felt it was good, but it was limited. Mm. Um, you know, and if, if they, if you're playing a, a Final Fantasy game, you, you, you want a party, you want, you know, some people want turn-based combat. Um, so what, what in their minds makes a Final Fantasy game was missing, which, yeah, that, that, absolutely fair. That's, that's, that's a legitimate point. Um, what I personally look for in a Final Fantasy game is, you know, the the little stories, the world building, and particularly the, the mythology. So, um, where I think a lot of people complained about the the repetition of the side quests or how, you know, it was the same formula over and over and over of go to this person, go to this person, fight this monster, mm. get a piece of information. Um... You know, for for people that that like crafting items, for people that like being rewarded with you know crazy skills or magic or or whatever that that didn't that didn't really tick the box for them. But for me, who who really really like, I I can't think of a more or better incentive to get me to play a side quest than knowing that at the end of the side quest I will learn a bit more about this world mm. like that. That's exactly what I want from this game. Yeah. But I recognise that, you know, that's not what other players might want. So um 
I I think I think I think sixteen was absolutely brilliant at that, and you know same same thing with fourteen that uh, what I would or the the reason that I've not invested the time in in playing is because the actual gameplay side of things is not really what I'm after. It's the story that I'm mm. after. Yeah, but the story is so good that I'm incentivized to play the game to mm. to get all the. <laughs> You know, the, yeah. the minutia of the story. So, um, so yeah, I, I, um, you know, I was, I again uh, discussing it with my editor. You know, there, there's so many things. You know, even the, there are things in Endwalker that I haven't seen anyone else discussing that just sort of jumped out at me from a, a, a lore perspective. That was just like that is that's so cool that they did that. But can you give I, one example? And uh, yeah, so the how 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 how's your community for Endwalker spoilers? Are they, are, are um, they hmm, it, it's okay. One person will have to mute. They they can mute now. This is their warning. But otherwise, yeah, you you should go ahead. I mean, we're okay. talking about story overall. It'd be I don't want to completely uh, remove the ability to talk about it. So. Okay, cool. So, um, one one of the things that I really liked uh, is the connection between Hermes and Hades. Mm. Um, and, you know, in, in Greek mythology, Hades is the lord of the underworld. And while most people might, uh, you know, at a surface level might see Hermes as the messenger of the gods, you know, just mm-hmm. the, this, the young guy who runs really fast and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, actually, one of his main uh, roles within Greek mythology is a psychopomp, and a, a psychopomp is a guide of souls to the afterlife. Mm. Um, so Hermes actually had a, a really large role in, in um, sort of people passing on, particularly like... Um, noblemen or warriors or people of sort of high status or or, or who had earned a, a place uh, of renown within the un- underworld hermes came to collect their soul rather than you know the the, the grim reaper figure mm-hmm. who was called thanatos mm-hmm. but within endwalker um there is the story of hermes and meteon mm-hmm. so this is one of the reasons I haven't seen this come up, but off the top of your head, are you familiar with the story of Pandora's box or Pandora's jar? I mean, I understand the reference of you don't look into it, you know, I I don't know why, and this is going to sound so stupid, I don't know why, uh, but it triggers a memory of watching Laura Croft back in the day where they had Pandora's box in there they opened it and it just you know it was lethal uh and so every time I think about that we, now we don't need to talk about Laura Croft's version of Pandora's box but if you wouldn't mind going into a little bit detail okay, just sure. to make sure what I may be missing here yeah okay so so um the story of Pandora's box was that um, when when Zeus decided that he was going to create mankind, he wanted them to be, you know, fairly fairly bland. That they were just playthings, pets. He didn't want them to be creative. He didn't want them to have free will. 
um, mm-hmm. and the the god Prometheus decided to use the 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 fire. The, the stories Prometheus gave man, mankind fire, but it wasn't it wasn't just fire as in flames. It was creative spark. It was it was free will. Okay. Mm. So as punishment for this, Zeus sent uh, a creation of his called Pandora, who was the first woman, and told her to bury a jar um, under the earth and never to open it. But of course, you know, Pandora gets curious, opens up the jar, and within the jar were all the unpleasantries, shall we say, of the world, you know, that would afflict mankind, like disease, death, Hmm. depression, you know, hardship, Mm -hmm. everything you can imagine, right? Mm -hmm. So this idea that Pandora's, you know, Pandora's jar or Pandora's box has been opened and and the spirits have all flown away and this this is what's effectively going to to punish mankind. This is what's going to bring mankind to its end. But within the jar, there was one thing left, and it was hope. Mm. And the the Greek, the Greek spirit or the Greek goddess of hope, um, was Elpis. Okay. And Elpis, Elpis was traditionally a goddess who carried a flower basket. So we've got we've got a situation here where Endwalker is. Uh, the, the idea of Meteon and the Hive Mind. The the Hive Mind sisters go off. They they are the ones that, that are trying to bring about the end the end days mm-hmm. because they, they experience the sadness of the other worlds and they experience the you know life is not worth living and, and so on and so forth. Um whereas the emotional side of things, you know, the, the connection between Meteon and Elpis, the flower, mm-hmm. um is what they start to learn can effectively save mm-hmm. mankind they can say or save Eorzea. Um and specifically that's at the end or the, towards the end of the game um, when certain characters reappear and have a field of Elpis flowers mm-hmm. that's what that's what they use to actually bring back hope so it's, it's very specific because in Greek mythology hope, mm-hmm. the goddess hope is Elpis and mm-hmm. she's the one thing that's left in Pandora's jar uh, after all the other horrible things that will end mankind have flown away. You know, I don't think I've heard anyone talk about that yet. It is possible in a circle I have not got in, uh, involved with yet <laughs> that they have had a discussion with it or something else. But yeah, that is, that is really deep. Um, you know, it would be really cool have you sit down with one of the writers for Final Fantasy 14 or any of the writers on the Final Fantasy Square Enix team and just have that discussion on things that you found within those games and have their thoughts on it as well because you yeah. seem extremely knowledgeable about this <sighs> holy crap <laughs> thank you it's just again it's just a passion of mine so yeah the, the, these are the, these are the types of things that I like to spot and and, and so on and so forth so yeah I would, I would, I think I would at some point, you know, if I was having a conversation with the writers or, or even with Koji Fox or, or someone of just like, here's yeah. a list of things that I spotted. Could you tick the ones that are actually correct and put across beside the, the ones that are just a coincidence 
or mad ideas that I've had. I, mm. I think I'm fairly confident that more than half of them are deliberate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have to be. I mean, after seeing those connections and it, you know, having direct references there <laughs> that we just didn't know was a direct reference until we find someone who creates that bridge, which is you, right? Uh, so I do appreciate that a lot. And I, man, uh, <laughs> sorry, there's a lot, a lot of other things I want to ask about. Now that you've said that, you've opened, you've opened Pandora's box in a way yeah. <laughs> to where people are going to be very hungry to know more of your thoughts about that stuff. So be careful about that. <laughs> I've just shot myself in the foot there. Yeah, yeah maybe so. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, because uh, a lot of the community is hungry for that. Especially the Final Fantasy XIV community. They're extremely mm. hungry for just knowing more about the world uh, and story and everything else. And even the influences, that you know, outside influences and finding those connections and just like blowing their mind at stuff they've been looking at all day. And then it just becomes so obvious uh, afterwards. But they're, they're so... Final Fantasy XIV is... It's number one glaring, uh, I guess... Uh, Thing that people will talk about is the story it's it's it it's not the gameplay even though the yeah. rating is something that i focus on a lot i love the rating within the game uh the it's not you know other aspects of the mmo i mean the community is actually probably second to that like you have mm -hmm. the story that everyone is so obsessed with no matter what it's the core it's the root of that game and then yeah. uh you have the community behind it and i think that makes final fantasy 14 uh overall and then you can get into stuff like the rating becomes the next thing and everything else but uh so when you have the story being such a big aspect followed behind a community <laughs> being the next big aspect you have a lot of people who are very curious and wanting to talk about the story overall yeah. uh and it, it does they never get tired of it um and so oh. i yeah and i i again the it's there's there's so much there that I, I know I would love and I, I know that I would like to be able to express and contribute to the community and it, it's just time you know as, of course, of course as, 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 the, as the father of four kids uh, you know I also <laughs> have a, I, I, you, don't have time. you know and I have, a, I have a day job as well you know right the, yeah. the actual writing side of things is just a hobby um, yeah. so it's yeah I, I think I think I would have to to get a, a serious amount of investment before before I could actually uh, yeah. do that. But I would I would love to. I would absolutely love to. So, yeah. you know, maybe 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 in a couple of years' time we'll we'll be able to sit down and and yeah. I've already started Final Fantasy fourteen and we can laugh about you know remember <laughs> the old days when you hadn't played it yet. Yeah, absolutely. We talk. You know about the new expansion they're coming out with, correct? Uh -huh. Oh, I am. Um, yeah. So I've. I've not. I've only seen the trailers, uh, mm -hmm. uh, so I haven't haven't delved too too deeply into, you know, the theories about where the story is going, mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, but I I think one once it's out and once everyone has had a proper chance to play it, at that point I think I'll, I'll sort of join in. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I, I think. Um. I think between Final Fantasy Seven and Final Fantasy Sixteen, I'm. No, I'm kind of all maxed out, I guess. Um, you know, it would be interesting, you know, in the future, uh, after Don Trail comes out and everything else, um, even if you're not playing 14, but you're just still doing your kind of stay by the side, like watching through and going, when you go through all that and you, you absorb that story, I'd love to talk to you again about it. 
uh, and of just course. see what uh, your thoughts are. They're doing. Uh, oh, and then my internet's being weird right now. I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> oh, uh, still good. No, it's, it's, it's fainted my end. Yeah. Okay, then we're, we're, we'll leave it alone for now. But yeah, when, once you get back to that point, uh, I, I'd love just to hear your off-the-cuff thoughts about it, right? You know, not super detailed or anything else. Just your your thoughts on uh, how where they're going with that, because I don't we don't know exactly what kind of mythology they might want to apply to Don Trail, because it is kind of a different mm -hmm. place, you know. Yeah. Have boats and pirates and uh, you know jungles <laughs> and stuff like that, cities of yeah, gold so you, maybe. Exactly. So well, if if there's cities of gold, you'll probably find there's a bit of Aztec or, or yeah. Mayan uh, or Maya. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Incan um, mythology in there. Uh, if it's at the you know the high seas, you could be looking at Caribbean. You could be looking at Polynesian. Polynesian mythology is really interesting as well. If you've mm -hmm. ever seen um, Moana, uh, Moana deals with a bit of Polynesian. So, um, so yeah. yeah, you never know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It. My daughter loves that movie. <laughs> Even at the so, young age, it, it captures her pretty well. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I mean, it, it's been amazing getting to know. I know it's getting kind of late over there too, uh, and you will have to sleep because even though your kids go to sleep, they still wake up early, right? It's not like uh... yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my my sleep gets hijacked, not theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to, you get that moment where you're like, okay, if they're asleep, finally I can do some stuff. And then you're like, well, I gotta sleep so I can deal with them tomorrow. Too. Yeah, it's, it's that sort of trade off of yeah. how, how much do you want to do now versus, you know, how bad is it going to feel in the morning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's been awesome getting to know you. You know, uh, you definitely piqued my interest uh, going through and seeing the stuff that you put on Twitter and everything else. And uh, and I'm I'm really glad I did this. Uh, I wasn't exactly sure how, you know, we we're going to do it in format and make it turn out and everything, but uh, you're an amazing person. Very interesting. Oh, thank, thank you. That's, that's very kind. And I'm, again, I'm enormously grateful that you invited me on the show. I, it's, it's been so wonderful uh, chatting with you. And uh, again, uh, if you want to do it again for, for any reason, 7, 16, 14, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely up for it. I've had a wonderful time. Yeah, and I mean, 7... I'm going to be honest with you, I may do an episode dedicated to Rebirth after it comes out, because that's within the same... When we're talking about Final Fantasy XIV, most of the people, even though not all of them, are uh, really knowledgeable about the other Final Fantasies. It's a nostalgia heaven. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of people are very interested in anything Final Fantasy related, even Square Enix related, that's coming out. And so Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is going to be a big deal for the community, for the 14 community as well, because most of them are going to be playing it and they want to try it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we may do that and you're going to be the first person I would want to talk to about it. Awesome. Uh, to be Thank honest you. with you. Um, I appreciate that. But yeah, before before we get off here, uh, is there, you know, I usually let everybody do their shout outs and everything on a normal show that we do. So I think this might be a good spot. Uh, if people want to come find you, what are the best ways they can come find you? Is it mostly Twitter? Yeah, Twitter is probably the best place to find me, um, which is just at FFVII Novels. Um, I I do sort of post regular content on, on Twitter. A lot of it's to do with Final Fantasy and mythology. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're interested in some of the other work that I've done, I, you know, I, I do have a Patreon where I, I just kind of host everything. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't need to pay, but that's, that's just where I've hosted it, um, which is just 
patreon.com forward slash MJ Gallagher. So my whole back catalogue of, of writing and articles and blogs and I've done podcasts as well uh, about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, you'll find it all there. Um, and if you are interested uh, in a little bit more about the, the books specifically, uh, you'll find all the links um, at just www.mjgallagherbooks.com. Um, but yeah, if, if you're looking to interact or, or kind of pay attention to, to what I'm most recently up to, uh, Twitter is probably the best place to, to follow me. Okay. Well, awesome. Then I'll make sure you guys follow and make sure you go check it out in the video. I'll make sure all of these links are down there as well. Thank so you. You can just click on them. It. Uh, and please check out that book. That book is beautiful. Again, I love it. The Norse one as well. I mean, when did the uh, Greek one come out? That was very recent. Right? Yeah, it was. It was uh, the end of August. End um, of August. That, yeah, so over, you know, six weeks ago or something. Um, yeah. It's it very, very, very new. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, again, uh, both the books are on uh, Amazon. Um, but if you're if you're looking to, to find out some, some more about it, um, you know, a, a lot of the information is, is in any of the links that we've already mentioned, but... Uh, I'm just I'm just grateful that other people are interested in what I'm interested in. So, thank you. Yeah, that's the thing. And the KupoCon, I haven't been to one before. I probably should go at some point, but it's always like a little far from me. Uh, but it's probably farther for you, <laughs> to be fair. But uh, would um, luckily for me, um, the the creator of KupoCon, uh, Alex Main, uh, mm-hmm. he's he's a he's originally from England, but he lives he lives in Canada. Uh, so he quite often goes between North America and the UK. So mm. um, as, as much as I live in Scotland, you know, it's, it's only a few hours down to London. Okay. It's not, um, you know, it's, it's reasonably straightforward. Um, I've, okay. I've I've been to, to events in Toronto and events in New York and stuff. Um, but yeah, the UK events are, are you know, my, my bread and butter. <laughs> I don't want to say cup of tea because that makes me sound too British. But, um, <laughs> the... They're, they're a lot of fun. Uh, if you do have the opportunity to go to a CooperCon event, they are they are a lot of fun. Um, and just, you know, everyone there is there to celebrate Final Fantasy, so it's, it's such a good atmosphere. Yeah. All right. Well, that being said, guys, please follow MJ here. Uh, it was a delightful discussion. I'll get this uh, hosted up on YouTube as well if you guys missed a little bit of this conversation. It'll be up there in full. Uh, I'll try to get up there as soon as possible. Within the next 24 hours, it should be pretty straightforward for me to do that. And uh, I'm going to go to a short break screen here. Uh, and then we're going to, I'm going to come back. MJ and I are going to close out and then uh, we'll, I'll come back to close the stream off in just a moment. So guys, hold tight. Thank you for watching all of this. Uh, we will be back in just a moment. You want to say bye to everybody, MJ? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for watching, guys. I really appreciate it. Take care. I'll speak to you again soon.